Is there such a thing as a bad question? Well, some questions are definitely better than others. And as managers, we are constantly asking questions. And if you know how to use questions well, you can unlock your team's potential. A warm welcome to Spencer P to the Modern Manager community. Today's guest is Deb Calvert. Deb is the author of Discover Questions for Connections, Clarity, and Control, as well as two previous bestsellers. As the founder of People First Leadership Academy and president of People First Productivity Solutions, Deb's work focuses on leadership development and team effectiveness. She's a certified master of the leadership challenge and a certified executive coach. And Deb was named one of the 65 most influential women in business and was formerly an HR director with a Fortune 500 company. In addition, Deb's research and methodologies have been published globally in academic journals. Deb and I talk about the art of asking good questions. She shares the eight types of questions we should be asking, what happens when we ask suboptimal questions, and she provides alternatives to some really common questions that managers ask that aren't so helpful. So here's the conversation. Are you a manager, boss, or team leader who aspires to level up and unleash your team's full potential? You're listening to the Modern Manager Podcast, and I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Each week, I explore effective strategies and provide actionable insights that supercharge your management abilities, optimize team performance, and foster a healthy workplace culture. Become a rockstar manager and help your team thrive at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Deb. I'm super jazzed to talk about question asking because as an interviewer, I ask questions a lot. And I just finished reading your book and learned so much about how to ask good questions. And I'm really thrilled for you to be sharing your wisdom with my audience today. So welcome. Thank you, Mamie. I'm super excited to be a part of The Modern Manager. I love what you're doing here. I feel like we should start with the problems with questions because I didn't ever really think about how questions can be misused or kind of poorly used. And that was one of the first things that really struck me when I was reading through was how asking, quote, bad questions or using questions inappropriately or kind of in less in suboptimal ways actually does us a disservice. So maybe we could start there and then we'll shift later on to how do we use questions well. So we all come in with baggage about question asking. We have some misperceptions because we've been burned by asking questions or we've seen other people get a negative message when they've asked a question. So now suddenly questions are are sort of blemished. You know, we, we shouldn't ask. It's not polite. Don't ask too many. There's all these negative messages out there when really what's going on is that we should just be more deliberate, more purposeful in the way that we craft our questions. And it's a skill. Like any skill, a little bit of, of awareness, a little bit of practice, and we can do so much better and yield so much more from the questions that we ask. And it's worth it because when you do that, you improve connections with people, you get clarity, which provides so much advantages that, I, you know, a hundred plus that are documented in research. And, and you actually get to regain a little measure of control in this crazy mixed up world we're all navigating through. Yes, we all need to be asking more questions. Can you give us some examples of poorly worded questions or kind of suboptimal questions and kind of explain like why are those questions problematic so that when we go to ask our own questions, we're we're starting from a place of what not to do. The reason these happen will help to understand when I give you the examples. The reason these happen is because we try to put that question out there as quick as the initial thought comes. We don't pause and think it through and ask ourselves, what do I really want to know? So a messy question ends up 
we ask it, somebody has sort of a puzzled look as they're thinking, so then we reframe it, and then pretty soon we're asking about something entirely different, and now it does begin to feel like an interrogation or a fishing expedition or something that's uncomfortable, and we could have headed all that off if we just thought it through first. So classic example, let's say that I was getting ready to come onto your podcast, and um, maybe I would say something like, yeah, so what's the podcast for? And that would be my first initial reaction. And you might then say something like, oh, the modern manager, we have managers all around the world, managers at different levels, managers who cross all sorts of age and other ethnicity, generations, whatevers. And, you know, maybe then I would have thought through what I really wanted to know, which would be more like, okay, cool. And um, what's the format? And now you're telling me about format. But what if what I really, really wanted to know after you told me all of that? was something more like the first question I should have asked. Maybe I finally get to it or maybe I give up. But the first question I ask is, what's in it for me? If I come and talk to your audience on the modern manager, it's an okay question to ask so long as, as I'm clear about what I'm looking for and I frame it correctly. We don't. It doesn't have to be messy. It doesn't have to be awkward. Yes. I've, I feel like I've been in those conversations way too often, probably mostly with my children, but still, it's not uncommon. And not knowing what you're trying to get out of your questions, I think that's such a, a an important place for us to be starting from is to just get clear for yourself so that the question you ask actually gets to the answer you're looking for, right? Like I hear that's what you're saying is, is figure out what you actually need to know. And that way you can frame your question in a way that'll get you to that outcome. Exactly. I, I could say it this way. When you ask questions, research proves this, it's not my opinion. When you ask questions, you put yourself in the driver's seat. You're going to control which direction the conversation goes next. That's what questions do. All too often, we, we think that questions make us look weak or that we should never ask a question if we don't know the answer because, ooh, that's, that's a little vulnerable and scary. But you choose what you do with the information you receive as well. So there's really very little risk in asking a question. And if you're purposeful, thoughtful about how you craft it, you're going to be a great driver. You're going to navigate right where you want to be. All right, let's shift into the different kinds of questions that we could be asking because I feel like there's a bunch of different models and you lay a couple out in your book around open questions, closed questions, command questions, et cetera. So why don't you start by giving us the lay of the land of the kinds of questions that managers should be asking? The types of questions that have been bucketed by other researchers have a lot to do with the construction of the question, as you referenced, open, closed command statement. Managers, you'll find that if you ask more questions that are open-ended and more that are command statements, that just means instead of a question mark, you're saying something like, Tell me about what led you to this decision. If you'll open up the construction of your questions, you'll have much richer conversations and you'll be discovering very easily what people do know, what they don't know. They'll be helping you to be a better manager because of, of the quality of your questions. So many of the models focus on sort of the format. And then there are ways that people sometimes bucket questions that have to do with the effectiveness of the question. So you'll hear things like, you know, gotcha questions. Your intention is to back somebody into, into a corner and get them to admit something. I talk about those in the book, but they have limited value in terms of getting to the connection and the control and the clarity that you want. That, that's what I'm after. So my model, and this has been around now for 25 years or so, This the new book is the 10th anniversary edition. But uh, 
the eight purposes for asking questions. That's what the acronym DISCOVER is all about. Eight purposes, and there are only eight purposes. I'm convinced I've been doing this a long time. I'm looking for another one. But eight reasons that you would ever ask a question. Most of us use three or four. We use them pretty routinely. But just think about now if you could expand, if you could double your intentional purposes for asking questions, what an incredible communication advantage that, that it gives you. Versus going through all eight, I'll just say to give people the flavor of this, uh, the D and discover the acronym. The D stands for data. One situation where you might have a purpose of gathering data would be when you have to make an informed decision. Managers gather data all the time. What's the budget for this? Uh, what are the deadlines for this? What happened the last time we did this? Let's go look at the evidence, the facts, the data that backs that up. What is the job description say? Right? You can think of lots of things that are provable that managers have to use every day. So managers use data questions a lot, maybe even too much, because they are less stimulating than other types of questions since it's just proven, known information. So the I in Discover stands for issue. An issue question is one that managers actually don't ask all that often. And it might feel vulnerable. Stay with me. Don't, don't uh, decide against it too quickly. But issue is the only one of the eight purposes that's really about you. You are the managers. You are the primary focus of an issue question. And when you ask an issue question, it's because there's already a problem and you want to understand it and deal with it better. Or there's not a problem, but proactively, you want to make sure there doesn't become a problem. So imagine, here's where it gets vulnerable. Imagine you're talking to one of your direct reports. And you proactively ask that person, hey, you know, we, uh, we changed the systems of our, of our one-to-ones and new cadence for our meetings, new format for those. I'd like to get your thoughts. Uh, as I'm conducting those meetings, what would you like to see me doing differently? You see, this is all about you. It's about you asking for feedback about how what you're doing affects their performance and what their preferences would be. So it's a little vulnerable and it's a little maybe unnatural seeming but high value in terms of engagement and in terms of wouldn't you rather know, frankly, <laughs> than having them talking at the water cooler or someplace else about it. And reactively, it's the very same thing. Somebody's complaining. None of us are perfect, right? So somebody talk to HR about something that you're doing. You have a choice, duck, dodge, deny. That's the one that comes probably most readily. Or ask an issue question. I'd like to understand the situation better. Um, please help me understand and give me some examples about what you'd like to see different from me. So it it's, remains about you. It's not about issues in general, but issues with you that you'd like to prevent or resolve. The S is for solution. And it, it's sort of natural in some industries and not in others for managers to ask these questions. So a solution question, its purpose is to plant a seed to get people thinking about an alternate perspective or another way they might go about doing something. A solution question can be misused. It's weaker when you say something like, and you'll be head bobbing as you say it, you say something like, Mamie, don't you think it would be a good idea to return those reports in on time every week? <laughs> so a little bit more coercive than, than truly getting somebody else to think about their own solution. A much better way is to either remain open-minded and, and not give the answer in your question. If you have the answer, just give it. But to say something like, well, maybe what ideas do you have for generating these reports uh, 
by the deadlines each week. I'm still telling you I expect it, but I'm also empowering you and I'm genuinely tapping into what do you already know? What you know? can you be thinking about? How might you critically reflect? I don't have to have all the answers. You're going to own them if they're your answers. So I, I might as well. Solution questions either plant the seed or they, they start from complete scratch. So you know, what have you seen others do? It, it, it could be any format, right, to, to get solutions on the table. The next two, pretty much all people, including managers, they, they know these. They may feel more or less comfortable with them depending on personality and other variables, but I'll talk about them together and I'll talk about them in reverse order. Hey there, Mamie here. Just a quick and exciting update for all of you who are enjoying the Modern Manager podcast. The Modern Manager membership community is getting a minor makeover and it is now called the Podcast Plus Membership. And you can sign up for it and join a community of managers determined to do better every day. You'll get full access to our Slack channel, sketch notes with key takeaways from each episode, all types of guest bonuses, and the members-only podcast, which is ad-free and has extended interviews. So you get to hear the answers to my juiciest questions without interruptions like this one. Sign up today for $15 per month at themodernmanager.com slash more. Can't wait to see you there. So discover if we're going in order, we would do the C for consequence, the O for outcome, but I'm going to flip them because they, in natural conversation, they usually come outcome first, then consequence. So the O. Outcome, These the purpose of these is to find out all sorts of things about your hopes, dreams, plans, goals, visions of the future. And we ask these as managers, right? what's your goal this quarter? What outcomes do you expect to see if you ABC or XYZ? Right? We, we ask people to, to talk to us about those, comes very readily. We don't as often ask the natural follow-up question, which is a consequence question. A consequence surfaces any um, downsides or risks or negatives or obstacles that, that might be anticipated. And we do want people to think about that, to think about both so sides of the same coin. If you get there, if you don't get there, what are the pros and cons? So when someone gives us a goal, I want to attend the such and such training so that I can be promotable. Good to know when I'm making my notes about it. Now tell me, consequence question, tell me what could possibly get in the way of you achieving those goals? And now we're, t we're hearing about that. We're helping people think through those obstacles. And now we might go to a solution question and ask them if that happens, what will you do to overcome it? You know, pretty soon we've had a, a much more thorough conversation that really equips people, empowers people to go out and, and achieve that goal. So that's the disco. You want to do the other three? Yeah, let's wrap them up. All righty. V is my favorite. V is for value. And not asked very often by managers. So it's my favorite. It's high value managers. If you do nothing else, just start asking these questions. A value question helps people to identify for themselves and helps you to understand their priorities, their, their hierarchy of, of needs and interests and what's important to them. They tell you the goal is to X, Y, Z. Oh, interesting. Tell me, why is that one of, of appeal to you? Going to get some commitment. Somebody just told you they have five goals. That's a lot. All right. Wh which one's most important and why? Now let's help them sort it out so that they can be thoroughly committed and, and understand and we can understand and support them. E is an example question. Look out. When you ask an example question, allow for the power of the pause because this one is really going to make people think. 
and they're not going to answer you right away. And when they do, though, you're probably going to get a very rich answer. It might be a little bit lengthy, but allow the the pause to give them time to think this through, because this is actually more like two questions in one. An example question is to get people to make a contrast or a comparison. It helps them to visualize. It helps them to really begin to sort things out. I say that an example question is like the equivalent of when you go to buy a new car, and one of the first things they want to do is make you take a test drive. Right? They, they want you to experience that car to see, oh, that, that cup holder is perfectly placed, and oh, these cushy leather seats, and the new car smell. Right? They want you to have all of the sensory experience of being in that car. And in management, very few of us have the opportunity to really get that visceral kind of an experience for our folks. So we have to do it mentally. So it's a comparison or a contrast that gets people remembering and, and experiencing, reliving some of the things. So the ways that we used to do one-to-ones and the ways that we're doing them now, uh, walk me through which um, is working for you, which is not, and what would you like to see? So it's kind of an issue question if it's about me, but if it's about the experience and I'm getting them to relive and think about those experiences, now I'm, I'm getting them to think more and, and to get very, very tangible in, in what they give me back. All right, last but not least, the R is rationale. And this is any question that's about a decision, when you've already made or when you're about to make. When I ask you a rationale question, I'm going to be understanding how you're making the decision, but even more importantly, I'm going to get you to understand how you're making the decision, whether it's all emotionally driven or whether there's something else that's within that. A rationale question sounds like, Mamie, tell me your top three criteria as you make this decision. What are you evaluating? And your um, immediate response might be, at least in your own head, I don't know. I'm just doing what seems right. <laughs> you know? But hard stop, right? This question has just coached you into thinking a little bit differently about your decision. And so we're teaching people when, when we ask that. A word of caution. It's the only word of caution about any of these. When you ask people about decisions... They do have a tendency to take it a little personally. They might become a little defensive if you use the word why. So use why every place else. But when you're asking about someone's decision, don't say, why did you do that? Or anything that might come across that way, because that's just going to raise defenses. That word why attached to a decision, it's so powerful that it's the one word that is completely prohibited if you work on a suicide prevention hotline. You can never say to the person calling you, you can never use the word why. So, because it's about their decision, right? And they're going to potentially become defensive and it'll break down. Before we move on from these eight different styles, I'm, I'm really interested in this. What do you say instead of why? Because if you're asking someone about a decision they're, they have already made or they're about to make, and you can't say, why did you decide that? What do you say instead to get to that same level of thinking? In a neutral tone of voice, you use a command statement. Help me understand what led you to this decision. Walk me through the mental steps you took to get here. If you think about it, that's no different than why, but it certainly sounds different. And it actually is more it's more um, precise about getting to what you're trying to get to anyway. That is what you want to know is what led you here. I love that. And I 
really like this combination between open-ended, close-ended, and command statements, and then layering those onto what are you actually trying to get to? Which kind of question are you asking or what kind of information are you gathering? So that you can be thinking about if I'm going to ask a value question, I want to understand what's important to this person or why this course of action is important, then I can choose which style of question or which format of question is going to help get me there. And that feels like a really powerful combination to have these kind of two sets of tools in your question asking toolbox. Well, in the research that I've been doing for 25 plus years now, right, research with people asking the questions, research with people receiving the questions. And it's powerful on both sides. Um, but for people who are asking for, specifically for managers, when they begin to ask questions and they're, they're more deliberate in, in the purpose and, no, and knowing what they're going after, one of the most uh, profound and immediate changes that they start to see is that they feel like people aren't becoming defensive. They're not guarding the answers that they give. They're just, they're opening up to the manager and everything becomes easier and faster when you, when you do that. And you know, if I have to put a word on that, people don't always use this word when they describe what I'm telling you about, but ultimately it's trust. Right. You're starting to build bonds of trust when you open up the conversations this way. I love thinking about that as the question receiver, how it changes my experience of that interaction and how we can do that for our team members and create that that level of trust, create that level of openness that they are willing to both give us information or kind of share their thinking with us and also ask us questions in return, I think, I hope. I'm wondering if you've seen the, re the reciprocity that comes from this style of approach. Management is a hard job partly because what you do is what people emulate. And so if you are asking questions and genuinely listening to answers and now people feel heard, well, they feel a little more brave to ask questions instead of staying in their lane or doing something they don't fully understand because they would rather not ask the question. But if they see that questions are okay and questions are actually good, I mean it when I say everything becomes easier. I would love to give you some examples of questions that I personally have asked or I've heard other managers ask that I think are probably not great questions. And I'm curious what you would replace that question with. Can we try this? Yeah. Okay. So. First question, at the end of the conversation or the end of a meeting, any questions? We ask that one all the time. Any questions? Yeah, bad, bad question. What should we be saying at the end of a meeting or after we've kind of presented information or had a discussion? What, what do we say instead of any questions? Yeah, as a trainer, this, this is near and dear to me because I have to replace it too. It, it, if you say any question, people look around, they're like, I don't wanna be the one that asks a question and prolongs this meeting. So they shut down. Don't let it happen. It's this simple. Instead of any questions, it's what questions do you have for me? And then it's silence because your expectation is that people ask questions. Now, after two or three meetings, you won't have this awkward silence where people are like, no, no, I'm good. Yes, get again. No, I'm serious. I, I want to make sure we address any questions before this meeting is over. Take time, think it through. What questions do you have for me? And, and you're re-educating people, you're reconditioning them that it's not, I stopped talking, the meeting's over, it's you stopped asking questions, the meeting's over, but you're going to ask questions. Love that one. All right, next up, what do you think? 
I feel like this is another one where you're in a conversation with someone and you're you're talking something through or you've presented an idea and you go, so what do you think? Is that a good question or should we replace that with something else? That question feels unsafe, especially managers, if you've already said your idea, it's unsafe for people to give something that, that's different from your idea. And so then you're inviting groupthink, which is really dangerous. You don't want everybody to just go along to get along because your idea is already out there. So first recommendation I'd have is back it up. Before you ever give your idea, start off a little differently. I've got some ideas about this. I don't know. I don't know if they're the right ones. I'd love to hear your ideas first. Tell me what you're thinking about this, right? So do that before your ideas are on the table. Okay. Now they've done that and you put your ideas out there. So instead of what do you think, it's Give me your feedback. Give me your thoughts about this. Let's look at it from every angle. Expand it so it's not just to check the box. Love these. Those are so helpful. Okay. Next one. Um, this, I feel like, comes with the progress, you know, check-ins that happen with teams and where things are at. And you're like, so what's the status, right? Like, how how are things going? Is that a good question or should we replace that with something else too? Especially if you're doing it over and over again. When you ask the same question over and over again, people don't think it's a real question. They begin to think of it as a, you're trying to cover your own backside and so you know I'll give you whatever I think you wanna hear. And so, whereas a moment ago we talked about broadening it out, in this case with a project status update or with progress toward a goal of any kind, I think it's good to be more narrow. So what do you really wanna know? You want to know more than just some generalized update where people say, oh, yeah, it's good and move on. You do have something you want to know. Maybe it's um, where are we on deadline? How close are we to, to meeting our deadline? Or maybe it's um, where are we on that collaboration with the cross-functional team that we need to be checking in with? Or maybe it's how many people have been informed or trained on this? So get narrow. What do you want to know when you're asking for an update? What piece of the update are you looking for? Fabulous. All right. One more, which is the question that we ask probably 10 times a day. How are you? Right? Every time you hop on a Zoom or walk into a meeting, you sit down next to someone, you see them, hi, how are you? Is that question, does that need to go out the window? According to receivers of questions, yes. Most of us don't actually even like the question but we all keep asking it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to frame this up to answer your question. If you think about this idea that's out there, a very pro prominent idea that questions are rude, it's, it's intrusive, it's nosy to ask people questions. And yet, if this was a genuine question, how are you? If that was a genuine question, that would be deeply personal. It would be perhaps really rude to, and intrusive to be asking people that question. So just the fact that we give ourselves permission to ask it is proof that we don't really have any intention of finding out how someone is. So I'm I'm very against inauthentic questions. And this one is inauthentic, unless it's somebody that you know very, very well and, and your tone of voice and your empathy is fully obvious to them. You know, I like to mix it up. Back in the good old days when we used to have lots of networking events and, you know, different things that, that we'd go to in person with people, I used to experiment with this. Uh, but I think it's good to ask people questions that are more like, what's the weather doing today? I, I know it's weather and that's still really trite, but it's something that's more specific. It's something that's less personal. It's something that is now we you know, have something to talk about. It's not just a pass through. So if you can't get comfortable with anything else, do that. 
Or even better, next level managers, you can do this because you've got relationships with your team members. You open the conversation with something that's not work-related that you happen to know about your employees and, and hopefully you know something about them. So if maybe if you were a member of my team, I might ask you something about um, sports in New York because I know that's where you're from. And if I knew that you really liked a particular team or a particular sport, I would ask you about that. I don't have to like it. I don't have to know anything about it. So I could just be asking you, you know, what's happening with the Dodgers these days? I could I could zero in on something that was very specific. If I know you have kids, you know, and I knew that you had little league games and that it was full on in the season, you know, how's, how's the one loss record for your son's team? Whatever it is, there's no wrong here except for the super generic, meaningless, inauthentic question. You can replace it with an infinite number of better choices. Yes, yes, yes. And all it takes is a little pause of thinking to get ourselves to ask those more thoughtful, more purposeful questions. All right, Deb, can you wrap us up here by telling us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fabulous boss? I've been really fortunate. I've had a lot of very, very good managers. But I'm thinking about Vanessa. She was one of my first managers when I was in my post-college real-world career. And um, she was she was really a supporter in all kinds of ways. There was a time when I was fairly new in the job that I was doing for her, and I was I was killing it. I was really fast. I was really really good at it. So much so that I'd been there for a couple of months, and two other people went to her. This was a phone room job. They went to her and they said, "There's no way she's posting those kinds of numbers. She's she's cheating. She's doing something wrong because all of our numbers were posted each day." And Vanessa looked them square in the eye. She told me this years later. She looked them square in the eye and she said, well, I've got a thought. Maybe she's posting those numbers because she's over there on the phone and you're up here talking to me. Oh. Right. And just to know that someone believed in me and, and was willing to defend me in that way, it meant an awful lot to me. And when I took a different job in a different department, she pulled me aside to say goodbye to me and she said, don't change. It, it's a different, you know, outside a phone room, you're going to be out in public, but uh, don't let that change you. Be Keep being you. I, so well, who doesn't want a manager who just believes in them and, and knows them and backs them up? Yeah. Oh, sounds amazing. And where can people learn more about you, get a copy of your book, all that jazz? Oh, definitely get a copy of the book. It's on Amazon and it's called Discover Questions for connections, clarity, and control. I say that because it is the second edition. The first one 10 years ago has a slightly different title. So, so get the new one. My website is People First PS. Company name is People First Productivity Solutions. That's what the PS stands for. Spell out the People First. Or you can go to the other website, the learning site, which is a huge learning academy, 40 some odd free classes plus a whole lot more. And that's um, peoplefirstpotential.com. Fabulous. Well, I hope everyone checks out your book and your content online. Really, thank you so much, Deb. Such a pleasure. I'm so excited to put some better questions into my own toolbox and uh, and build those relationships and get that clarity and all of the good stuff that comes from asking thoughtful questions. Thank you, Mamie. This has been a lot of fun. Deb is providing an amazing deal this week. For U.S.-based members, she's offering an autographed copy of her book, Discover Questions for Connections, Clarity, and Control, and access to her three-part online masterclass series to amp up your conversational skills for a total combined $35. This is a savings of almost $100 compared to their individual list prices. In the extended interview, 
Deb shares some surprising benefits of asking good questions, along with how to help your team members become better question askers and how to shape your questions for different personality types. If you missed the masterclass I held on December 6th, it is not too late to view the recording where I share the Modern Manager framework and help you put it into action. Plus, you'll learn about the all-new Skills Accelerator, which you can join at 75% off for the first month. To get the recording and learn more about the special offer, go to themodernmanager.com slash masterclass. To get this guest bonus, the extended interview, and many more member benefits, become a member at themodernmanager.com slash more. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.